Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Optive Theology Podcast. I'm Andy Schmidt, here with a brand new guest, never before heard or seen, nobody knows who you are, from Minneapolis, Minnesota, Brian Suter. Brian, thanks for doing this. I wanted to give you an opportunity because I don't think people actually know who you are who listen to this. Maybe some people do. But who are you? What do you do? Why are you important? Are you even important well, at all? I'll start by answering no. Okay. I'm not. <laughs> okay, cool. No, but I, I really feel honored to be here. You guys are doing an amazing thing with this. And I've, the episodes that I've heard are just awesome, super helpful, and just helping to equip people who follow Jesus. So thanks for what you're doing. And thanks for having me here. Uh, I, like you said, I'm Brian Suter. We live down here in Excelsior, Minnesota, been a pastor for about 20 years and, uh, recently made a pretty big shift to plant a brand new church down here in the Southwest suburbs of Minneapolis. And my uh, wife, Courtney and I've been married 13 years. We got a couple kids running around. So we're enjoying our life right now. No doubt about it. Yeah. First thing I forgot to say too, is if you want to watch this instead of listen to it, we're doing it on camera. We're here in my aunt and uncle's like their kitchen With and we're dog just down here recording. And... There's a dog down there sleeping. <laughs> it's not, it's not the most professional thing in the world, it's but perfect. You, can, you can watch it on YouTube optive network. There'll be a, a link in the description. Okay. So as the people know by clicking on this podcast, the name of this one is How Should We Do Church? And I'm excited for this. I've been wanting to do this for years because I am I think that a lot of the major problems that we have in the American church are due to the way that we set up our churches and the way that we look at how to do the local church and how pastors are and this and that. So I was like, there's no better person to talk about it than with somebody who's literally starting a church right now. And so let's just jump right into it. I'm just going to ask you first question I've written down is what does it mean to be an apostle with a small a or a church planner? I know it kind of answers the question within the question, but if you want to expand on that. Yeah. Yeah. I thanks. And I know we're going to get into the text in a little bit from where this comes from, but I'll just say this. I'm, I'm learning a lot right now. And I think that is just probably a good entry point to this whole conversation and my contribution to it. Um, because, God is just doing a new thing in my heart and God's doing a new thing in our, in my church and not my church in our church and God's church called branch church. Um, and again, my learning curve is pretty steep. So what I've learned about what it means to be an apostle, as we look at Ephesians four eleven through 13, we'll talk about that text in just a little bit is around an entrepreneurial gifting that starts things that are new for the kingdom. Now I could totally be off in that, but that's, that's what I've learned over the last few years. And, uh, to be a church planter essentially means to really begin, uh, a new community of faith with eyes fixed on Jesus Christ, the son of God, savior of the world, Lord of our lives. And, uh, to really shepherd and lead and help create a community of people who are following Jesus to the yeah. best of our ability altogether. Yeah. Well, let's just jump into Ephesians. Do you have Ephesians 4 up I right do. now? Yeah, so I you want right to read that, that passage and we can just jump right into that? Yep, Ephesians 4.11. So here's what it says. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So I read all the way through 13 because it gives us the result yeah. of the task yeah. of what the church ought to be about. Yeah. So I think like, yeah, so we're talking about how should we, what is an apostle and people might be, get confused right at the gate because there's apostles in the Bible that are like with the capital A and then there's the apostles with the small A. Do you want like, I mean, we kind of talked about the small A apostles. Do you just want to make the distinction between those while we're talking about this so people can kind of know yeah. what we're saying? Capital A apostles essentially means any who in the early beginnings of the church had direct interaction with Jesus. So an apostle is John, apostle is Peter, an apostle is Paul, um, as they directly were commissioned by our Lord. Um, that's capital A. Now, lowercase a really is what we've kind of leaned into around the entrepreneurial gifting of creating new things for the kingdom, new churches for the kingdom, new movements for the kingdom, and seeing God do th things through new wineskins, essentially to borrow from another text. Yeah. Yeah. So then what, I mean, what are these, these, these things that Ephesians four is talking about the pastor, the evangelist, the teacher, the prophet, and I missed one, the apostle, those five things, 
what what are they like are they how do they interact with the local church because i think paul's talking about the local church and maybe the big c church too but like what are they yeah well big picture they're they're um leaders influencers within a church community that help it to become all that it can be um so quickly, we talked about apostles a little bit, prophets, someone who hears from the Lord and can give direction into what God is saying to them through a unique prophetic gift that can help edify and encourage the body of Christ. So that's the prophets, right? Prophets, correct. Yep. Evangelists, I think that one's kind of low-hanging fruit, but it's people who are uniquely gifted with the ability to share the truth of Jesus Christ with people who do not know him. The most famous would be like Billy Graham. Right. 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 But I also want to say really directly that it's not just about a platform. No. All together too easily. We just assume that the evangelist is the one with the platform that fills up stadiums. That's one example. In fact, probably a fraction of the examples, but an evangelist is someone who just can't help but tell the story of Jesus. Right. You sit down next to somebody on the plane and it just erupts from, from people with this gift. Yeah. They can't help it. It was interesting. Billy Graham said, and we'll probably talk more about how these five leadership positions, they sharpen and help each other. Cause Billy Graham himself was like, I would be surprised if even 5% of the people that I shared the gospel to actually became Christians. Like, I think he knew that the evangelist on its own couldn't sustain the the substance and like growth of the, that the local church does with all these other leadership roles. That's right. But what are, what are the other ones? I mean, you so, were going through uh, evangelist, uh, shepherd. Yeah, shepherd. In other uh, versions of the scripture, it's translated pastor. But I really prefer shepherd because it's more descriptive of what the scripture is calling us to. Because we've kind of created a, def- a definition of pastor in the 20th and 21st centuries that might have kind of drifted a little bit from the early definition of what it means to be a shepherd. And that is to tend to a flock of sheep, literally to tend to a flock. And that means to come alongside people. It means to encourage people. It means to correct people. It means to guide. It means if one goes astray, like Jesus has said, we go off to find the one leaving the 99. I mean, there's a lot of examples of that. And then the last is the teacher, which is a teaching gift, which is someone who can open up the text and just in a unique way through the Holy Spirit's gifting, make that scripture come alive for people to understand it. Yeah. And it's all for the purpose of equipping. Yeah. And so for me, um, this, this text, I, I had read it before, but you know, in life, as you're going along and living your life, how God just in a chapter just uses something to come alive in a new way. I was at a conference and this was a church planting conference. This was like 20, I don't know, 2017. So like four or five years ago already. And uh, at this conference, I went to a breakout and the guy leading the breakout was talking about a leadership pathway. So that was kind of the title of the breakout to get people to come. And what he did at the very beginning was he had us take out an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper, put a dividing line right down the middle. And on the left side, what we were supposed to do as pastors was to list everything that we had done that week. And he didn't tell us the whole exercise. So talk about the last two weeks, two weeks really about your schedule. What did you do? Well, I wrote a curriculum and, um, I, I let him bunch of meetings and I, you know, prepared a, a, a message and, um, you know, did a number of different things. Right. And so then on the, on the right side, he said, I want you to hear the, this text. I'm going to read this three times and I want you to write down on the right side, what God is calling us to. And he read this, this verse and it said this in verse 12 to equip his people for works of service and other places for works of ministry to equip his people for works of ministry. And he said, okay, now on the right hand side of the paper, how much equipping did you do? Yeah. Did you write anything down? No. (laughs) Yeah. It racked me. Yeah. Because I thought, okay. And you know, I could infer probably equipping from a message that I gave or a talk or a class that I did. But at the end of the day, I think strike zone equipping is relationally coming alongside people and helping them to pursue the gifting that God has given to them. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, because these are like, like you have like the big evangelists and the big pastors and the big teachers that are like, these are the, the huge ones, you know, Billy Graham's, Francis Chan, John Piper. Um, 
but not everybody's that. That's correct. And that's not a bad thing. That's actually a really good thing because we would have an oversaturated like mess of a church if everybody thought that they were the big top dog leader. Um, and and like you're saying, like yeah, what does that look like to equip? Does it and and how have we like fallen away from that? And I think it kind of leads into our next question because I wanted to talk about. We you kind of just mentioned it. It seems like in America we kind of have exalted the pastor position over all others. Like if anybody is wants to go into ministry, you'll be like, hey, I want to go into ministry. Well, what do you want to do? Well, I want to be a pastor. I'm going to go to seminary to do what? To be a pastor. I'm going to be a pastor of this church or this church. And it's like you go to churches because you like their pastor. And it's like. That seems off. And when you're reading this, it seems like all of those positions should work together and that you shouldn't recognize one as higher than the other. But in America, it's like maybe we got lazy. I don't know what happened. But do you know, like, why that happened or what's going on here? Yeah. And I think movements are attached to people. So when you think about things that are going on um, throughout history, you 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 like identify it by uh, by a persona. And there's lots of examples that we could point to. But... I think one of the things that's happened is we have kind of inadvertently unaware, maybe in a way that we're unaware of, entitled local churches based on the name of the person who's leading them. So that's so-and-so's church. As they look at Branch Church, people might say that's Brian Suter's church because I'm right now the lead pastor of this new local congregation and I think we just naturally do that. I think we also do it to companies too. Like, yeah. you know, and I don't know, maybe that, maybe that could Steve go. Steve Jobs and Apple and right. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Like there's a persona yeah. that we need right. in order to understand like what the life of that organization is. Yeah. Now my hope in, I don't know, my hope is that we can go forward in, in, I would say hopefully every church and just not see that very thing manifest where that's so-and-so's church, but no, this is God's church with a name. I mean, honestly, when we were starting this church plant, my wife and I were like, should we just call it church? Yeah. yeah. Like that's what they're like. The church of Corinth or the church of yeah. <laughs> like, you know, that's like what they the church of Carver, Minnesota, the church of Excelsior, Minnesota. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's just, it gets really interesting as we yeah. think about that. But, um, I think that in terms of what, pastor means in this day and age, I think there's a lot of different definitions. And I think based on our stories, we project what we need those people to be. And I don't know if that's always helpful. Um, and I think what we've done again, maybe in a way I, there's probably redemptive ways to this. There's probably some ways that we need to just kind of, kind of sift out of our thinking is we've glorified the largest churches and we've glorified the fastest growing congregations. You were telling me about the website. What is that website called? Yeah, there's, <laughs> I don't know. It's like that identifies on a regular basis, like yeah. the fastest growing, the largest churches. And when you look at that website, it's like the, the pastor's face. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. It, so I it's love, like the name of the, the number one growing church in America, the name of it. And then the pastor's face, not the actual church building or whatever, you know, correct. or their symbol. But it'd be great. I mean, it'd be great if we could just have a cross and like whatever the little, yeah. Right. images and just same thing all the way along. But I mean, it's, it, it's hard to deny that people are being reached with the gospel and I don't want to undo that. But yet in the same right, I think what we've done, unfortunately, is we've just said that's so-and-so's church. And how many more examples do we need right now of so-and-so's church when so-and-so is not yeah. living yeah. the way that they proclaim so -so that they were? Affair, and then the church falls to shambles. Right. And I, we, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's huge. I think when you look in First Corinthians, one of my favorite things to look at when talking about churches, because I've even gotten into this, and in, in like you know, my church back home in Madison, High Point Church, and it'll be like N Pastor Nick, who's on this podcast all the time. He's like Pastor Nick's this and Pastor Nick's that, and I'm like, well, in First Corinthians, Paul's like. Um, you know, because there's the argument between I follow Apollos and I follow Paul. And Paul was like, dude, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. Who gives a crap about me and <laughs> who gives a crap? Like at the end of the day. And I think that's like, like pretty, I think that that's pr like, I try to keep that in the back of my mind. Cause it's like, I don't want to go to Brian Suter's church. Cause I don't really care if it's your church. I care if you're planting seeds or watering. I care if you're doing the thing that God wants has called you to do. And if you're trying to do more than that, then I don't want to go to your church basically. You yeah. know what I love about that text is it says something like, 
you know, I, Apollos, or I, Paul, then Apollos. And it says, neither the one who plants nor waters is anything. Yeah, right. But only God who makes it grow. Yeah. Only God who makes it grow. Right. We're nothing. Yeah. And that's got to be the mindset. I think that that's, I think that that's gigantic. And so I want to move into this because I think... You, so you have like a unique story and being a part of a mega church. Is there anything to like, is there a correct biblical blueprint to setting up and then sustaining a structure of the local church when it comes to like hierarchy and how we interact with leadership and stuff like that? Do you think that the Bible says, hey, here's how to do it? I have my opinion on this, but I'm going to let you say your opinion and <laughs> we can kind of go back and forth maybe or whatever. We'll see yeah. what happens. Yeah. 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 I, uh, man, I, Okay, so I don't know. I'm not going to find it, but I I think um in it it's in either 1st or 2nd Timothy or Titus, but essentially what it says is um Paul's talking to Timothy and Timothy says um entrust to faithful people the message that I've shared with you yeah. who will also go and tell others. Yeah. And that uh, it's not like a very specific architecture yeah. that like gets projected on every single local church because I think the body of Christ has all kinds of different shapes and sizes. And, me, you know, and I think one of the best things for me personally was traveling internationally to see it because you've got in, in small impoverished countries, these local village churches of people who are deeply faithful to the gospel whose pastors are not employed. Yeah. They walk without shoes on and they preach the gospel. Yeah. And, um, and I think what supersedes all of that, what kind of goes beyond all of that is that model where here's Paul trusting into Timothy, who's called to, f- to share the message with faithful, trustworthy people who will then also go and tell others. Yeah. And then in terms of governance infrastructure honestly that's a learning curve for me if i'm totally transparent but first and second timothy and titus have awesome stuff to say about that that i'm personally even right now real time leaning into in terms of what this looks like but i would say if if those kind of levels are in place those apprenticeship kinds of levels where apprenticeship to leadership is happening discipleship is actually happening then great things can kind of come from that totally i think i think that that's that's right on like 100% because i think there's a lot of pastors like I've met pastors in my life who don't disciple anyone because they're too busy with work. They're too busy with doing work, which is the church, which should be discipleship. So it's like some weird paradox. It doesn't make any sense. It's like, Hey, I can't disciple you because I'm working, but you're a pastor. So your job is to disciple people. So then what are you working on? And it doesn't make any sense. So I think that that's essential is the discipleship, you know? Um, what do you think? Okay. So I want to ask, I want to, I want to, I didn't write it. I didn't write this down, but I, I have pretty, I have a church structure idea in my head. So let's just talk about it because I want, I want, I wanted to get ripped or like ripped to pieces here on the podcast in front of everybody. Um, (laughs) I just just want to talk about it because I'm hyped up, but, um, here's my question. And here's what I've seen consistently happen in the American church. Cause I think that it's different, like comparing America to maybe some overseas. Like you're right. I mean, I've heard the stories going overseas, people, they don't have anything over there and they're just working with what they got. And there's like pastors who have to work like two jobs and pastor a church. And like, and some of them are agrarian. So they're literally farming and making crops grow from the ground to feed their actual families. And with any surplus, they go and give it away to the poor in their villages. Right. I mean, it's just, yeah. I mean, and those people are like, I, I think that's amazing. And I think that what they're doing is incredible. And it's like way like those people love Jesus, you know, it like shows in their life. Um, in America, I do think we're in a different situation because you got people, I mean, you, we don't like, if you're a pastor, you can make a, make enough money to feed your family and live well and and do all that kind of stuff. And you don't like have to work two other jobs and it's not and like, you know, you can spend more time studying the word. You can spend more time researching and doing the things um, that pastors do in America and studying theology and all these things. And so my question is like, because I've seen this happen so many times. We just talked about Billy Graham and and there's pastors all over the country who there's, they had one scandal and everything falls. And it's just, I mean, the new thing is the, the Mars Hill podcast, right? That's what Mars, yeah. Mars Hill, which 
you know, who, who, who knows what people think about that, but like just that happens all the time. So my question is when we're looking at those five leadership roles, which I think are, are leadership roles in the big C church, but even in the local church, how should we, how, do you think that the, the structure of the church should be set up in a way that they interact with each other for, for, for the, the evangelist who could maybe easily, maybe their bent and sin is towards like maybe distorting or watering down the gospel um, over a long period of time to get more people in because the evangelists love a lot of people. If they had a teacher who was founded in the theology to say, hey, 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 wait, you're getting a little bit off track here. Let's stay on track. And and then maybe like the um, the prophets, you know, they're great and they see vision, but sometimes they can speak on behalf of themselves and not on behalf of God. So then you would have to have, you know, the pastors or somebody else to say, hey, hold them accountable. Like, do you think that these things are are to be working in accountability with each other? And how do you set that up? Because then that means you're going to have to have a church with each of those five leadership roles filled. And that's. Like, I don't know any churches that do that. You usually just have a pastor. You know what I mean? So, like, how would you even go about doing that? Which is like a hypothetical because it's not really happening right now. Right. Yeah. Right. That's exactly right. You know, to to get super practical about this, um, in my experience of of starting this new church, um, what I've started to see is the possibility of those five roles starting to emerge out of the people who have come. And we can't see that until people start to serve. Um, Until people literally take the towel like Jesus did and begin to serve. Um, Because I think people's metal gets tested every time that we're called to serve, every single time. And now spiritual gifts, right, from 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12 are in the mixture for all this too. But these five things... I think that those come practically. I think they emerge practically as a church finds its wings. And, um, and, and I do believe, I do agree with you that all of those roles have to be accountable because if you've just got, you know, if you've just got in the word of this text, apostles who are entrepreneurial running around, you're going to, you know, dart around to every new opportunity unless you have that balanced. Right. And some of the examples you said, like evangelists kind of corresponding with teachers, and um, teachers can become too legalistic in their teaching. So then they need maybe a prophetic word to say, Hey dude, you need to like tone it back a little bit. That's yeah. not the word of God. That and kind shepherds of to shepherd the people. Right. To exactly. ensure yeah. that acts two and acts four can actually happen again today. Right. Cause without them, the relationships kind of disintegrate to a degree. Um, and there's a whole lot of other manifestations of what those leadership roles really look like. But in my view and in my opinion, I think those are things that come with time and not necessarily, especially if you don't know the people that you're starting a church with, we've had the fortune of, of knowing a lot of the folks that have, have started this with us. And until you see them serve, you can't really see who they are and who God has gifted them to be in order for them to fill one of these important roles. Okay. So I got, then we got to go into this, I guess. So I have it written down is, is there a certain limit to how many people can go to a local church? (laughs) (laughs) And I know that's an impossible question to answer, but I want to, I want you to give, cause I think this is like probably like a, a more like hitting home question for you mm-hmm. and I want I can you give people like a little bit of a background of where you came from because I know you came from a mega church and mm-hmm. like what, what was that like and then yeah. when you left and how did that work and now how do you view how many people should go to a local church yeah yeah that's good so um really for 20 years I was in two different churches that were large in nature and loved it I mean it was a really meaningful experience all the way along and yet I think one of the things that um I saw come out was just the degree of anonymity that people stay in. And I just don't think that we can make disciples when anonymity is in the room. Yeah. It's not possible. Right. So the, the degree to which even our new church, if someone can come in and sit in a seat and experience a worship gathering and then leave without interacting with anyone or, or, um, someone reaching out or them being known and them knowing others, um, that will become problematic for, for us to actually live into the calling that we have. Again, I, you know, the book of Acts is interesting because you've got these amazing passages like Acts 2, 42 through 47, and then Acts 4 about the idea around no one was in need among them. But, you know, the idea around Acts is just keep reading. It gets messy. Yeah, 
right? But if, if, if we, I, I think the point that I want to try to make is if we're not known in the body of Christ, then I don't think that we can become more and more like Jesus. Um, we need each other. Yeah. Like we need to know one another. We need to know how one another are gifted. We need to know how one another are struggling. And I think what goes on right now is there's a lot of people that go to a church for a section of time on a, on, on a Sunday morning or evening or whenever throughout the week, but it just never goes past that. They might fill a seat, but they don't get to experience the thrill of using the gifts that God has given them. They don't get to experience the thrill of praying for someone and literally having that person be transformed by the Holy Spirit. They don't get to experience the things that are the holistic picture about what it means to be the church together with others. And so as long as as people can experience that within a congregation, I think that's huge. And, you know, sometimes that can happen within large congregations. Sometimes it can't. Sometimes that can happen within small congregations and sometimes it can't. So I would say it's more about whether or not people are growing in relationship with Jesus and each other than it is about anything else. And that's really the core of our mission in the context of our calling as a church. Our mission is to connect people to Jesus and each other through the truth of God's word, because I've always believed in the sense of if we can get people to submit their lives to Jesus. And if we can get people, and again, we don't do that work. We just foster the process, right? right? You equip people with the ability to do that. That's right. So connect people to Jesus and connect people to each other. And if the word of God is in there, the Holy Spirit works the rest out. But that connection really has to be there in a big way. Right. And I think like, Honestly, the bigger you get, because I've, I, we went, I mean, back when I was in Madison, we went to this gigantic church for a long time. Um, and it was very like, almost felt like a checkbox. You walk in, you get your fix, and then you walk out. It was like doing drugs. And like, you don't, like, it seriously was. It's like doing drugs. You walk out, walk in, get your fix, and you leave, and you don't have to talk to anybody. Nobody holds you accountable. Nobody asks you questions. And it's very weird that way. And you can see, you know, I think, I think it's like 10 to 14,000 people. And so it was like, it's really hard to actually know anybody. It's, it's so almost true. impossible, you know? It's so true. And I mean, I think I'll say a couple things just in response to that. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to deny what God is doing in any local congregation because I've seen people that I never believed would have ever gone to any church, let alone a a church that I know who have walked into larger churches and had their lives completely changed. Um, But I think the point that um, we want to emphasize is, you know, in first Corinthians 12 and Romans 12, like we've mentioned, the metaphor is the body of Christ. And Paul writes I can't say to the hand, I don't need you. And we read that and we think like that's first and foremost, the devaluing of someone's gift. But it's also, I think, categorized in this conversation where it says, no, 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 we need each other. We need Jesus and we need each other. And when those two things are there and again, you sprinkle in the word, it's like amazing things can happen. I desperately want people to connect in to a local church and experience what God can do in and through them as it relates to just offering up something to the world. I've seen it like the, some of the people who in these first days and right now, as we record this, we're like week 14, I think. Yeah. And, uh, people have been using their gifts that I don't know. I mean, they hadn't used their gifts like this before. We've got people who are hosting worship services who haven't hosted worship services before, like giving announcements and praying and reading scripture to devote yourself to the public reading, reading of scripture. We've got people who are leading kids ministry. We've got folks who are doing ushering. We've got people who are, um, setting up and tearing down. And I'm, I'm literally doing Andy, tech, video recording, doing, doing, <laughs> doing video, doing video recording, recording, recording. Yeah. You can I, edit that out. That's right? me. I'm not adding nothing. Recording. Dude, we don't, we don't, we don't fabricate. We don't. And that's it. you, man. So, so thanks for everything that you're doing. But like, even I, I don't know if like, it feels like to me, like you have gotten a sense of connection here yeah. with this new church, but I don't know if that would have happened had you not stepped forward and started serving in this way. Oh, right. I, I mean, mean, my, my first, first mindset, I was like, if I'm coming to Minnesota, first things first, I need to be discipled by somebody. And so I reached out to you and I was like, kind of like, can you do disciple, but more like you need to disciple me a little bit or I'm not going to help you with video. <laughs> <laughs> and you were like, all right. 
right, fine, whatever. And then, um, right. And I think it's great. Like getting involved in, in branch has been great for me because it's like if you're a young person, if you're a new person that moved to, to a new city, the best way to get connected to people is just going to a church, like going to a local church is what I found. Yeah. And I think, I think you're a thousand percent right. A lot of it did have to be to do with like, yeah, I'm just going to like, I know how to do video stuff and audio stuff. So like, why not just do it on Wednesday nights? Just use your yeah. skills, man. And then, gosh, man, I just think like the more you get involved in a church, the more that God uses you and the more that you grow. It just, it just happens. We talk about Acts 2 and like, I know a lot of Christians are like, man, we need, the church needs to go back to what it was like in Acts 2. And I'm like, that's true. But also, like you said, look at what happened. Like, look at Corinth, look at Galatia, look at... Ephesus, look at any of the churches. They all ended up a complete mess and they all started like Acts 2, I bet. They all were like, people were on fire doing the right things. And I think, uh, my, I was talking with my uncle last night and he was like, you want to know the biggest problem with the, with church? And I was like, what? He's like, it has people in it. Yeah. And I was bingo. like, yeah, that's true. That's the biggest problem. If we just get all the people out, then we'd have the best church. And so, but the point of it is for the people. And so I think, um, yeah, it, it's interesting because I think the bigger the church gets and the more corporate it gets, it's, it's very easy for those churches to start to, um, to start to like suppress the Holy spirit. And I think scripture talks a lot about, uh, or I think in first Corinthians, I, I don't know exactly where, where Paul's just like, don't like whatever you do. Don't, um, what's the word that don't he quench the don't, spirit. don't quench the spirit. Like, yeah. like, and the Holy spirit can be confusing. And we've talked about the Holy spirit on this podcast several times. And it's like speaking in tongues can be weird and prophecy. And everybody's like, what, what's going on? This is all weird. And that's like, that's fine. All, but just don't quench it. And I think that in corporate churches, it can become very, because they, there's like this seeker-friendly idea behind them. And it's like, okay, we want people in the door, so we can't have this weird stuff going on that is that is the Holy Spirit. And so let's like try to quench the Holy Spirit. And I think that's where I kind of try to draw the line. And I think things start to get weird. But I think like with Branch, like I bet you at some point something's going to get weird and people are going to start acting weird and you just got to deal with it. And I, and like like Paul said to deal with the people in Corinthian, yeah. uh, in Corinth. And I think, yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. And for me, one of the things that was a telling moment was we went to this church planning assessment um, and someone stood up and said, your church is your church is perfect. Like to all of us who are getting ready to plant churches, your church is perfect and it will be perfect. And then people are going to come. And I love that because it just kind of classified like, man, I'm broken. We're all broken. Things are going to get messy. But again, and maybe this is an idealistic statement, 14 weeks into a church, but if there can be a relational fodder experience strength between us. Um, I just think we have a better fighting chance of working out some of those problems when they come because we're committed to one another. We're submitted to one another out of love. Like we're, we're pursuing grace. And I think a lot of uh, that can happen in a lot of different places too. Yeah. And if there's a question, it's not going to be like, well, we're, it's my way or the highway. It'll be like, all right, let's get to the bottom of this, find the biblical answer and then repent if we've done something wrong or continued on the right path. And so I think like, yeah, there's, there's a billion different places that we could go, but I want to ask, and I want to ask like, what do you think is, and I know we've talked about it a bunch already, but like, what do you think is the ultimate goal of a local church? And I know this is kind of the whole point of this whole podcast, but I think things can get confusing and messy. And so what, what is the ultimate goal? Like what, I mean, you as planting a church, like what's your goal? Is it to, is it to get 20,000 people on the door? Is it, is it to, I don't know what, what's yeah. your goal? Yeah. Well, uh, just a little bit of background as we were forming this up, we invited, um, four other couples, five other couples into this process with us. And, um, we formulated mission vision values together and the vision that we had come forth from this community as we were praying, trusting a God is to see communities rooted in Christ that glorify God and bless the world to see communities rooted in Christ that glorify God and bless the world. And what that means is a lot of different things. So to see church home communities that are interconnected into a gathering, our branch home model, 
rooted in Christ to glorify God and bless the world, but then to be a church that plants churches. I just think, I mean, this, again, this whole thing over the last year has been such an incredible experience because one of the things that I've gotten to encounter is spending a lot of time with other church planters. And there's just this amazing movement of people who are planting local churches in any scrappy place that they can find, whether that's an elementary school cafeteria, whether that's like us, uh, a wedding ministry center venue that used to be a landscaping center, um, uh, community centers, and the list goes on and on. People are finding places. And there's a lot of people that are just drumming up house churches in their neighborhoods. Like it's happening everywhere. And I don't know what that is and only God does, but there could be some preparation there's a dog going by the wires I know, right now. going all over the place. We're good. We're clear. Yeah, we're clear. There could be some preparation that God is doing for something. And only he knows what that's for. Right. But it's happening everywhere. And so the goal is to become a church that sees communities rooted in Christ, that glorify God, that bless the world. And that will probably manifest itself in church plants. Mm-hmm. Lord willing. I mean, I don't know what God has up his sleeve for this. Yeah. But we want to see people connected to him, to Jesus and to each other through God's word and then continuing to expand community. So to honor God, to advance the kingdom, to invite people to know Jesus and to do this, Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, to, to equip God's people for ministry so that the body of Christ will be unified, yeah. developed in the knowledge of the son of God, attaining to the whole measure of his maturity. Come yeah. on. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. I think, I think a lot of it, what you're saying is it seems more based on trust than it does on control. And I think that's the difference for me when it comes to churches. It's like, if you're going to go plant a church, if you're going to send people out to plant a church, you're not, it's not like you're planting a new campus. You're planting an entirely different church, which means you're sending people out with the trust that God's going to work in their strengths. Yeah. And I think and, that's huge. And the beauty of it that I've seen frontline is you're sending people out with, um, an inescapable need for them to step forward and use their gifts. You can't, you can't do it without people jumping in. And I just think that there's something that God does to expand his kingdom in a way that can't necessarily be measured through how people use their gifts after they're equipped that does this very thing biblically that can only happen through people jumping in and out of, absolute necessity like this will not happen unless you trust god for this leadership role and you you do it um that that's amazing how god can use this so you what's the verse that you you bring up um in acts uh day after day they went into the temple courts what what is that one it's acts 542 and it's always been one that i've used as a grounding for the importance of small groups within churches i've been a big small group guy since i first started and in, in back in student ministry when i first started leading we had small groups of kids that were led by a cared and trusted a care care filled and trusted leader um and then over time that's been a really important heartbeat of mine and i've used that scripture to kind of ground okay this is why we do it but it says of the early church that day after day in the temple courts And then from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming that Jesus is the Messiah. So you've got a little bit of a church model there, I think. I was going to say, the next question was going to be is you got these things that you're calling like branch homes, like little. And so I think that that's like really good like this idea this home church but what what are you talking about when you say like home church i mean that's like a, a foreign concept i mean people are just like when they think of church it's a building a big building in the middle of somewhere else that you go to so like yeah. this home idea is weird yeah yeah absolutely um really it, it, it's living into the sense of community of of growing together and what what will happen and we've learned from a few other churches is what will happen people will come together weekly and they'll start just interacting hanging out uh someone will share their face story there will be some questions that'll be prepared out of the message that people heard the previous in the previous gathering and then they go and discuss it so it's all going to be everybody studying the same thing in in our church um and then the other thing that we're doing is we're involving kids because we want to see a holistic multi-generational discipleship initiative created here um, where kids will More see like organically you're, you're thinking yeah through that yeah, yeah I think there'll be cool. kids programming and leaders right. will cycle through and lead the right. kids in the basement of these homes mm-hmm. but what what this model really is is one 
one connected church that collectively gathers for worship that breaks out into homes weekly for the furthering of the message. Literally, we do do the same thing, that we meet in the temple courts, so to speak, in the facility that we're in right now, once a week, and then we break out from house to house and do the same thing. We don't stop teaching and proclaiming that Jesus is the Messiah. One of them is going to be in this house, right, that we're in right now? Uh, No. No. I thought that that was... It's going to be a backup, okay, but gotcha. there's going to be one nearby here. So okay, that cool. we're going to start with three and just see kind of where God guides Sweet. it. Sweet. Cool. And uh, yeah, and um, I lost my train of thought about what I was going to say next, well, but it I, was, th- I feel like it was going to be good. <laughs> then I cut you off. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. Um, I, I, think that that's, I think that that's like, again, like one step closer to, to how I think church should be done is these home churches, these house churches, because it... Cause it like brings these people together in a way that's intimate. And it's like, you know, like I said, you can go into church and you can leave church and not talk to anybody. But when you're in like a, a home, house church, which is exactly what it is, you're in a home. Like it's a family. It's, it's, it's not a, it's not a, like a group anymore. Rather it's like, it's, this is your family and we're going to meet in this house and we're going to talk about Jesus. And yeah, it might not be every day, but maybe in five years, branch will just push to, you know, doing it every single day. Who knows? I, but I think we'll see that's, I mean, that's, that's the goal. I mean, but I think like, I think that's awesome. And I want to ask, this is, you know, kind of another interesting question. Mm-hmm. What do you think about, um, elder boards like, <laughs> I mean I know your church doesn't have an elder board yeah. yet and I don't think that you guys are just not going to have an elder board but like right. h- um, how should like should we set up an elder board in the church and like how should we do that or what does that even look like because um, I know you had yeah I mean just planting a church can probably be confusing and there's a lot of opinions and inputs and all this, this stuff so like what yeah. do you what is your view on elder boards and that kind of thing yeah I would how say they interact with the church I'd say I'd so a couple things caveat I'm this is one of my learning curves just in terms of the long term for our church Um, what what role do we want them to have and there are so many functional models of governance that um, varies based on people's interpretation of first and second Timothy and Titus Um, we want to take our time and study that well. So maybe we could do a follow-up in like a year. I might be more studied and more intelligent in this conversation, but I will say this when we first started, we knew that we didn't want to go alone and we had the benefit of knowing people that were going to be coming with us. And so we just said, again, I mentioned it earlier. We just invited some couples that we knew we've known for a long time and we trust deeply. Hey, would you, would you join us in this effort? So what, what's the commitment? It's to pray, it's to study the scriptures. And what we're going to do is we're going to create a mission, vision, and values. We're going to establish a statement of faith. And we're going to kind of ratify the church model of what we're going to go after in our launch plan of what that looks like. So, I mean, it, it was, and I was just sitting in my living room today reflecting on it. Those four months were so meaningful to hang with these these people once a week and just bat this stuff around. Like every once in a while I pinch myself and I'm like, guys, God's like creating a church through us. Like that, that feels thrilling and weighty and sometimes super intimidating, but greater is he who, who is in us than he who is in the world. Right. Um, and, and, uh, you know, there's, there's the African proverb, I believe that it is that says, if you want to go far, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go with others. And we knew that that was kind of the sentiment that we wanted to create, like to go far with others. Um, and then eventually, so that group, we, we just invited one, uh, one person from every couple to serve on a one-year launch board that would help with kind of the, the oper- not operations, that it, it's higher than that, but essentially the first-year governance of the church and help make critical decisions. So we just made a decision that we're going to move our worship gatherings from Wednesday to Sunday. And so this, this core team, this launch board, we're in prayer around that, getting input and feedback from the early community that's been formed and shaped and then we prayed through it came together even last monday night and discussed briefly and voted because we can say we've discerned it together it's not like me being a benevolent dictator and just making decisions out of you know whatever kindness but it's no there's a group of people here and i'm not staking any claim 
on the ownership of anything. Like we're in this together and I know my role and I'm learning more of my role, but we're going to, we're going to go together rather than alone. Um, and then eventually it expanded into kind of a launch team of people that were coordinating the key ministry areas of the church. And now we're starting to see even more come in and like, it's just a thrill ride just seeing the church shift and grow slowly, 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 but surely. So I guess two or three more small questions. The first one is, going forward because i think this is about when we were talking about how do we do church church planning we've talked about all this, like a lot of structure and stuff like that and i think you're doing it so it's like to get inside the mind of somebody who's already doing it what's your what what is something that you're most nervous for like it's something that you don't want to see happen and that you don't think other churches should do and that you're just nervous like this could make things bad in planning a church um and then i'll ask another question after that what am I most nervous for? Um, other than just my my feelings of self doubt and inadequacy along the way, of you know whether or not, and I spoke about this last night in the message, whether or not I'm enough. The answer is no, I'm not, because His strength is made perfect in weakness. Right. That was my favorite part of the sermon. I was like, I, I was like. This is going to determine whether I'm coming back next week because you were like, you were asking, you were like, am I like, am I good enough preacher? Am I good enough pastor? Can I lead well? Can I, am I good enough at all these things? And I was like, if he says yes, I'm about to go down there and like punch him in the face. <laughs> and then you were like, no. And I was like, all right, we can, this is good. So I can was, stay here now. Yeah, I, can I can keep doing I this video thing. To, yeah, I can keep, <laughs> I would have turned the video the other way, like turned it towards me, did my own sermon. But no, I think that was good. That was my favorite part of this, the sermon last night. But cool. Yeah. Cool. Um, my, I think, I think what I get the most nervous about, um, that just comes to mind immediately is that, um, man, we, we don't, we don't press in with each other. Um, I, I, I think that this is just like fear or scarcity or, or doubt speaking, but like these, these branch home communities don't become all that they can be. Um, or maybe that there's flare ups of conflict in that, like, cause right now, Andy, you know, this as well as I do, but we're just in such a divisive time and it doesn't matter what the top, we could talk right. about this golden retriever on the floor and you and I could like disagree get in the fight. Yeah, I you know. know you could tell what, me that what Simba's, color is his fur, right? Or um, is Simba a Republican or is he a Democrat? Does he like <laughs> stuffed animals or shoes or, more? Exactly. Well, probably shoes because he takes my shoes and throws them all over the house all the time and it's a silly example but yeah i mean that's legitimately how things are when you think about the church and you think about how we interact with things it's like like the question of are you republican are you democrat or which way should christians lean at the end of the day it is a silly question but we make it into this gigantic huge like if you're not this then you're not you don't follow Jesus. And I can see how planning a church in 2021 in America, in Minneapolis might be the dumbest move of all time. (laughs) It could be one of the dumbest things you've ever done, or it could be one of the best things you've ever done. So yeah, I, I agree. (laughs) Yeah. And my, again, my hope is that maybe, I don't know, maybe in a little bit of a smaller context, it just allows us the ability to work out some of that stuff. Uh, I hope so. I believe it can be done. And I believe that we can all approach this with such a degree of humility and love and care and curiosity for one another that we can press through some of those things. But um, yeah, I would say probably what makes me a little nervous right now is just the possibility that, you know, divisiveness and conflict arises and we won't have the gusto and the commitment to Christ looking at him in the gospel alone. Right. Because all the things that we divide over are secondary things. Sometimes, sometimes people divide over things that are primary and that's a different podcast episode. But if we can focus on Jesus and the gospel and know that the gospel is the solution to all ill, we can find a way. Yeah. Totally. And so then that leads to my next question is what are you most excited for? Like this is the, the, the happier question. Yeah. Um, what, what are you most excited for? I think it's an exciting thing is starting a new church, planting churches. The goal is to plant more churches and obviously to just expand the kingdom of God here in Minnesota and in America ultimately and in the world. So what are you excited for in this whole process? The first thing that comes to mind, honestly, is what is God going to do next? Yeah. Because every Wednesday night that we've gathered 
I've always I've laughed almost every every Wednesday night in awe because God brought someone through the door that I never would have expected. And if we had more time, I'd tell a couple stories. But um, well, give give us. Can you give us one? Yeah, I, yeah. Just yeah. give us one story for sure. For sure. Um, you know, there's this. Uh, I'll make it really kind of kind of short, but. Um, through a set of circumstances, we've gotten introduced to this couple that I've just been praying for because they've gone through a really intense tragedy and the relational web is like one or two, two circles disconnected. But a couple of Wednesdays ago, they walked through the door and I didn't recognize them at first. And I got to talking to them and I'm like, Oh my goodness, we've been praying for you. I'm so glad that you're here. And again, I, you know, in my human lenses, I don't often operate fully with Ephesians where it says God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than all that we ask for or imagine every single moment of my life. But thought that's a reminder that yes, he right. can. Right. When you're just, you're like focusing on figuring this church thing out and God's like working in somebody else's life. You're not even thinking about it. And then at some point those two paths collide and you're forced to like reckon with the idea that God did something that you weren't involved in and it was really good Yeah, and it's really cool. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, so what's God going to do next? Like truly next Wednesday night when we gather. Yeah. Because, and it's, and it's He's bringing a food truck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a good thing. We're going to have a food truck. Right. Come out to branch church on Wednesday mm-hmm. night. Totally. You can eat and worship. Eat and worship. Uh, not at the same time, though. Well, actually, at the same time, you could eat, you could yeah. worship while you eat. Yeah. Worship be, all throughout the entirety you, of your life. If you're life. singing and eating, that's going to be disgusting. <laughs> people are going to get mad at you, but you can do it. You can sure try it. Yeah, you can try. Some people do. We might have to. That would be the first church discipline that branch would do to say you can't do that. You're excommunicated from the church now. <laughs> no, no more spitting on people while you're singing worship songs. I would yeah. say the second thing that I'm really, really excited about is the launch of these branch homes because yeah. this has been something that's been in our heart for a while. Like, yeah. man, we feel like this is going to go somewhere. And throughout the summer, we experimented with it as a launch team. So we had uh, we had 13 couples and kids. So I think we had like 40 people that would get together every other Sunday through the summer. And what God did in such a short window of time to bring our lives together, to be vulnerable with one another was really, really profound. And I, I believe that that will be replicated just because of what God has been doing. And I want to see what God will do through, through this essence of community. It's not just some ethereal idea, but now it's something that we're stepping into that we get to watch in the front row to see what God can do through the context of his people. Right. It's been cool to see. I've been, I haven't been here since the beginning when you guys started first thinking about it, but I've been here since the beginning of the first official day. And it's been cool to see. It, 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 I mean, on the first day, we could barely get the TVs ready and oh figure gosh, anything man. out. It was a complete mess, but that it's like crazy. But like, and, and like that stuff doesn't really matter at the end of the day, but no. it's just, it was just like oh, this big, um, kind of like piece of, I guess, like it was just moldable. Like you knew that there was a bunch, like there's a bunch of stuff that was there that could happen really well and that could do, you could do it really good. But then as the weeks have gone on, it's like now it's starting to form in some way and it'll take years to form or whatever. And we'll see where it ends up, but where it's at in 13 weeks compared to where it was 13 weeks ago is, is definitely way more impressive (laughs) 13 weeks ago where I was like, if we're going to have to do this, Every week, it's gonna be the worst <laughs> thing ever. Yeah, but it's it's way different now, and it's cool. And I think it's right with branch homes. Um, I do think that there's like a, a way to learn um, from people who are just starting something out. Like you're just starting something out, and a lot of it that you're doing is probably like trial and failure and learning from that. And and that's great. And so I want to say, last question: What advice would you give to? anybody who would plant a church or just people who are in churches right now who don't feel like they're being fulfilled and they're, they're feeling like, man, I'm in a church. There just seems like, like there's no community. There's nothing here. There's the teaching isn't substantive. Like, what do I do? What advice would you give to these people? Because I think that there's a ton of those people in America right now. And there's a ton of people in the Midwest and we're like, what, what, what are they supposed to do? Where are they supposed to go? And, and how should they interact with that? Yep. Yep. Well, the first thing that you asked was around someone considering planting a church, correct? I would say do it and trust God Mm -hmm. because you're going to watch them unfold that you never dreamed possible. 
if it's right for you to do so. And granted, there's a lot of steps before you go. You have people speak in your life and confirm that that's the calling that God has had on your life. And we had that along the way. Um, and there's, there's a lot of great organizations that are doing church planning assessments and coaching and all that. Um, so do it and trust God for the process. Um, but then secondly, those who I, I think maybe to sum it up a little bit are in a place maybe where they're feeling a little bit numb and and not maybe like super stirred up. Yeah. Um, honestly, the first phrase that popped to mind is crack your Bible, read it, and obey. Yeah. Obedience is the key distinguisher between discipleship and the reverse gear, right? Of following after Jesus, read the scriptures, listen to God's voice and obey. That might mean you obey within the context of the local church that you're in. It might mean that you'd start something new. It might mean that you go somewhere else. I don't know. That's between people and God. But you know, the, the word that has come to me over and over again is obedience, obedience, obedience. And our, our key text for our church is John 15, where Jesus is talking about the vine and the branches. If you remain in me and I own you, you will bear much fruit. And then eventually down the road in that chapter, he gets to the point where if you obey my commands, you essentially remain in me. Right. Obey my commands. Right. Love me and obey my commands. And it feels like we live in a world right now where obedience has kind of some bad connotations because people are and we're in a very postmodern very truth is relative and obedience implies that there is something to be obedient to that is ultimately true which we would consider to be the bible and jesus's teachings and i think i that one thing that i think i think about every time i'm like reading the bible or praying or whatever and it's like if i read the bible and i and i go away from it feeling like I am just doing everything great and I'm like, I'm amazing. And I'm, I go away from like, dude, I'm not making any mistakes. Then I'm probably not reading it honestly. And I think the Bible should be a mirror to our sin. We should read the Bible and say, whoa, whoa, like I'm a sinful person. I deserve hell and damnation, all that stuff. But it should also be a reminder and a, and a revelation to the redemption of Jesus Christ. And I think that those two things can happen at the same time when you read scripture. And I think reading and being obedient to the the, the objective truth of scripture is yeah. essential in that. The word of God is alive and active mm -hmm. and it's sharper than any double-edged sword. Yeah. Do you think it should cut every once in a while? Yeah. Yeah. Probably more than every once in a while right. too. Right. Yeah. Right. So yeah. encourage, you know, strengthen, mm -hmm. but every once in a while you got to read that and you, it's got to cut. Right. Right. It's got to cut. Yeah. And I think through the cuts, you do gain encouragement. You're just like, okay, wait, I needed that wound to be healed because that was there and I wasn't even noticing it. And I think that this is the point of the local church is that when you get a cut, you're going to have 50 other people around you that are going to be like, listen, we're all in this war against evil and sin with each other. And if you get, if you fall, we're going to be here to pick you up. And that's what the local church is for. And I don't think it could be done in any other way. I think that this is like the answer. The question is, how should we do church? The answer is just like the best that you can. Yeah. I guess, right. I don't know. <laughs> like at the end of the day, cause it's right. Every church is messed up cause it's got people in it. That's right. And so I guess that that's, that's all the questions that I have, but I do want to end. I always, I always think it's good to end with a prayer. Yeah. Do you want to pray for yeah, the people? I'd love to, man. Cool. Thanks buddy. Yeah. Oh God, we are just so grateful for the fact that, um, as we're hearing this, we've got breath in our lungs. We've got life. We, we woke up today. We're living and we get an opportunity to be faithful to you, God. So for, for Andy and I, and for everybody who hears this, God, my prayer is that through your Holy Spirit speaking to them, that somehow this would encourage, that it would challenge, that it would admonish them and just add to what you're doing in and through their faith. May this not just be a podcast that got listened to on a walk, on a run, or a long drive, but may something that you do with this go to change all of our lives, Lord, and help us to follow after you more and better and stronger than we did yesterday. Lord, you're never done with us, and we know that you have purpose. So for some, God, I pray that you would stir them up in such a powerful way, in an undeniable way, to take just a step of risk and faith into something new. And for others, I pray, God, that you would just encourage them right where they are, wherever that might be. Lord, we trust you. We want to obey you. So help us to do just that for this day. And then when tomorrow comes, that we'll do just that for tomorrow as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Amen. Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah. Do you want to give people like a Where's Branch yeah. Church? What are we doing? Love to. I mean, if they're in Minneapolis and listen to it, might as well just check it out. Yep. So. Yep. So uh, likely when this drops, we'll Which still... Will be- Friday, probably okay. tomorrow. I want to okay. drop it tomorrow. Yeah. Great. Uh, we're worshiping right now on Wednesday night at 630 out in Carver, mm-hmm. a place called the Outpost Center. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're going to move to Sundays on October 31st. We just shared that with our church family last night. Yeah. You can find us at uh, Branch Church MN. Mm-hmm. Make sure you put the MN in there, branchchurchmn.org. I'll put a link in the description. Yeah. There you go. And Instagram, we do a little bit kind of out on social media, but Branch yeah. Church MN at Branch Church MN on uh, Instagram and then Branch Church on Facebook. Cool. Great. Well, thanks for coming on. I don't think this will be the last time. I think we'll probably do some more in the future. Awesome. Maybe we'll talk about what it means to be an elder in a year or two. <laughs> in a year. We'll, come we, on back. Yeah, we'll come on back to that. But anyways, <laughs> thanks for doing this. Make sure you like, subscribe, follow, share this with people, whatever you want to do for the people who are listening. And stay tuned because we're going to have, you know, Greg from church. Yeah, Greg. He's doing his testimony oh, come on, on Optive. Man. It's going to be great. You, so you all got to, don't listen to this one. Listen yeah, to that one. Listen to that one. Well, so. you've already listened to this one. If you made <laughs> yeah, you're it this already far. all the way through it. Erase this from your brain and go back. Come back to listen to his story. <laughs> That'll be dope. So thank you for coming on. Thank you guys for joining us, and we'll see you in the next one. Goodbye.